You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 79, Talk About Ritual and Femininity with Marie Burns Holzer. Minister Marie Burns Holzer is an omnist minister who is hashtag anti-boring weddings. She is an award-winning expert officiant celebrant, keynote speaker, and internationally recognized wedding industry educator. Her unique background combines 16 years of content marketing and entrepreneurial experience with nearly a decade of serving couples in the wedding industry. With over 900 weddings and counting, ranging from Washington's North Cascades National Park to LA's Houdini Estate to the wilds of Joshua Tree, Marie knows how to craft a ceremony that you'll be raving about forever. And today, Marie is here with us to talk about how ritual plays a role in our businesses and how femininity does as well. Now, if you're listening and you think, "Mm, this doesn't really sound like me, oh, friend, I have so much to tell you. There's so much to unpack here. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and as always, let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. One more thing before we start. Have you heard the news? Registration for Fleur Society's Business Summit is officially open. This event is going down on March 22nd through 26th and will take place in the comfort of your home. I'm very excited to be among so many wonderful educators and floral designers. Um, Of course, I'm not a floral designer, but I'm here for my florist community. Um, I'm teaching all about consult calls and how to make the most of your consults in the least amount of time. So go to reneedallow.com forward slash floral to snag your ticket. You will get access to 25 plus presentations that include topics like mindset, self-care, branding, marketing, pricing, selling, and more. If you currently find yourself in a season of uncertainty, need to up your productivity or systems, if you're craving inspiration and creativity, aren't we all? If you want to focus on streamlining and scaling your business, you will love everything about this summit. Go to reneedallow.com forward slash floral, F-L-O-R-A-L and I'll see you there. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. And this week, I am joined by the lovely and talented Marie Burns Holzer. Marie, how are you? I am hanging in. How are you? Yeah. I, You know, I can't complain. I'm here. I'm healthy. I'm holding on. What, what else can we ask for right now? That's real. That's very real. I think it's... um. Yeah, no, I, feel, I feel it summers up very nicely and we're recording in winter. So I'm in full uh, wish to hibernate mode. So Yes, I'm a, I'm a cozy kitten, really. Like if I had my way, I would just cover myself in blankets and sweaters and thick socks. And I would live that way 24-7 all year. See, and it's so funny because I have definitely gotten more in tune with the seasons. And I've accepted that like during winter, like, especially when we come to new year and everyone's like obsessing on their goals and stuff, I don't even consider my goals anymore until like right before spring, just because I'm so in a space where I'm just like, nope, I want to sleep and read and dream. And I don't want to like, I don't want anything. (laughs) 
I'm so glad you brought that up because I've been asking all my guests about their resolutions and how they goal set. And you're the first person that I've heard that um, that really takes like a different approach. Like you really kind of go with the seasons. I really do. Um, I'm Ooh. very it's a huge part of kind of my worldview and the way I practice my spiritual sanity. Um, <laughs> so I <laughs> I definitely pay attention to the seasons. I definitely kind of just embrace the season that I'm in, which is why like it really isn't until late February, early March, I really start thinking about the year and the goals because winter is the time to go dormant and lay fallow and just rest. So that's yeah. what I do. How did that work out for you in 2020, though? Because as you were naturally approaching your goal setting period, it was like, oh, the whole world shut down. Did you feel <laughs> that in a different way? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> um, 2020 kicked us all in the teeth multiple times, uh, especially those of us in the wedding industry. It hit us very strangely. And it was yeah. right at the beginning of the wedding season in California, because I and you can speak to this. I feel like wedding season in California really goes from March to November. And then yeah. there's like, and then there's like a really big lull in December through February. You might have some holiday things, that kind of stuff, but it's a lot quieter. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And then summer used to be really popular, but for me, it's so quiet July and August now. So yeah, our August for years has been like an empty month, which I'm fine with because it's way too hot. Yeah. Way too hot. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what warming. people started to understand in the last five years is like the weather yeah. had shifted. And so now it's just, it's so unbearably hot. That was weird. And so I kind of took a different approach to my goals this year because I'm a very goal-oriented, action-oriented person. And this yeah. year I just kind of went, okay, like we're in a pandemic, so right. I'm going to survive. That's yes. my goal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, you know, I mean, I, you and I know each other fairly well. And like, I'm a, I'm a super Enneagram three, like make my goal list is like, there's a hundred things on it and I'm going to check them off. And, you know, and this year, uh, 2020, I just had to say like, okay, I'm going to bake some bread and like stay healthy and not get sick and just chill. And like, that had to be enough. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a three wing four. <gasps> so yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, I think the hardest thing for me was not feeling of use a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. I focused on other things and really started realizing like, yes, surviving as a business person, as a human being, that is enough. I need to make sure I survive my loved ones survive. And beyond that, um, you know, just do your best to share sane, helpful, useful information and keep spirits up. Because that's a huge thing that uh, as a minister yes. I deal with a lot is that morale, yes. morale affects everything. So that was a big, important thing of, yes, we need to talk about these difficult conversations, but we can have them in a way that is not the world is ending. But like, hey, right. I love you. Take care of yourself, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, you mentioned spirituality and like your unique brand of spirituality. Can we talk about that and how that plays a role in your business? Because you are clergy. Yes. Um, and, and I'd love to hear your take on all that. <laughs> this has been a long and windy road for me of 20, <laughs> 30 years. So back in the day, I was a, a holy roller type Christian. <laughs> I'm very, it was a big part of my life. I wanted to go to seminary, um, but my denomination did not accept female clergy. They didn't ordain women. 
So um, over the years, my spirituality has grown and changed a lot. And I'm actually in the process of founding a new church based on what I call omnism. And omnism is the belief that all human religions and spiritual practices have lessons, have wisdom, truth to teach us, but all of them have foibles to learn from. And so that's really my approach. I take a lot of wisdom from various cultures. I'm multicultural, multiracial, multiethnic. So, and I was raised with Catholicism, Protestantism, and Judaism. And so I, I grew up kind of that, you know, they always talk about America being a melting pot. I grew up as a, like an embodiment of that melting pot of never quite fitting in any one place because I had so many influences from so many different places. So now for me, when I talk about spirituality and business, it's a really about embodying your values. So if you value transparency, which is one of my top values, I'm very clear with who I am and how I do what I do. There's not a lot of mystery <laughs> to any of my work. That's not yeah. how I roll. Um, I know some people are like, ah, proprietary secrets. Good on you. I don't, that's not my jam. I'd rather put everything on the table than try to play, you know, Texas Hold'em with you. I'm just not interested in that kind of thing. I value being in nature. I value if you ever get an email from me, you'll see that I sign it joy and awe. Those are two values that are massive to me. So I want to have an awe-inspiring moment at least once a day where I my jaw drops and I'm like, whoa, that's a thing. <laughs> like I want to have that moment at least once a day. And I want to belly laugh, like yeah. full-on belly laugh once a day, minimum. But that's how I know that I've had a successful day. It's like, okay, did you drink water? Did you laugh? Did you make someone else laugh? Did you have a moment where you realize like you are both incredibly minuscule in this universe and yet incredibly important to your own little ecosystem? It's beautiful. Thank you. And and so I think a lot about that in business, about, you know, we we are told from a lot of gurus that this is the way you do things. But I think right now, especially with everything we've gone through this year, there's really a sense of like, okay, but do you have to work that many hours? Do you really have to do it that way when it doesn't make sense for where you are anymore? So I'm very focused on making sure that anything that you do in your business and personal life is is really living out the things you say you believe in. I agree. I mean, I guess if you had asked me this question in 2019, I would have been like, no, grind, hustle, hustle till you die. And I think it's <laughs> true. Though, I mean, it's true. I mean, I was, listen, I was, I was, um, I, I had to pull a clip of like a speak, a speaking, um, gig that I had done for some other conference that wanted to see it. And so I went back to my, my first presentation at Wedding MBA back in 2018. And in it, I was embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say this, but it, it was true for me at the time. In it, I said, I stood up on stage and I said, anyone who asks me how I built my business so fast and so successfully, the answer is I worked like a dog. And, and that's true. That is 100% true. But the fact that that's true, and I so almost proudly said it on stage, like 2020, 2021, Renee looks and goes, mm, okay, she's doing the best she could at the time, but that's really, that's not sustainable. Uh-huh. It's, well, and it's funny because, you know, and we talk about this a lot in entrepreneurial circles and small business circles about how, you know, those first 18 months of your business, like 
it is a ridiculous hustle. <laughs> it, it really is. It is. You're trying it is. To, but there's something that happens when you level up to a point where you realize, you know, what are you trying so hard to prove? Is it a sales goal? Well, is the sales goal a vanity goal or is it a like actual meaningful goal for you? I think right. a lot of us have a lot of very weird vanity goals that we're trying to prove to the world or to like some voice inside our head that we're good yes. enough. Hundred percent, and I'm not about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have to say I've uh, I've turned a corner on that as well. I also think too, though, and this kind of circles back to something I know we want to talk about is that I think for women in in creative industries in the wedding industry, I'll say because I know that I know that world. I think sometimes I, I know for myself I tended to overwork myself and over. Not, I don't want to say overdo it, but I was like, I was trying to prove that my business was just as valid as my husband's. Yes. Or oh my, father's, my gosh. Or my yes. uncle's. Because I'm a woman in business and I therefore am pushing a boulder up a hill. That's what it felt to me at the beginning. And to be honest, some days still feels that way as well. And I know you, you know, we were here today to talk in part about you being a, a female clergy in a sea of well, a C, right? I mean, mostly male clergy. So, and this is what's so interesting. Um, one, I love that you spoke to that because when I first started, I was ordained as most people are by Yield Internet. And I started doing weddings and I take my title very seriously. Like I understand that there's like, you can go and like get ordained as like the dude um from like the big Lebowski and like <laughs> yeah I, a Jedi priest and blah 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 and I get it and that's hilarious but at the same time I because I do come from a religious background and I I take the title very seriously and I chose minister because it means to serve the needs of that's literally what the verb minister means I did so, not know that but it makes sense well, that's why we have like the Ministry of Magic or the Ministry of Defense. Right. Or, <laughs> that's like, my brain went. I was like, oh yeah, well, Ministry of Magic. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why I chose minister as opposed to reverend because I'm like, why am I more reverend than anybody else? And that just felt weird. So I, I take that very seriously. And um, I started getting involved in uh, a different organization. And then I started realizing like, I really have a calling to build my own community of people who... I think right now really think of themselves as spiritual, but not religious. Um, those people tend to be my jam um, or people who are interfaith where it's like, you know, I have one of my favorite couples. Um, he was from South Central LA and she's, well, she was came here when she was a little girl. Her family's from India. And so we had like this old school, like, like, black baptist ceremony mixed with like the three-day hindi nice extravagance um and and i loved how in those kind of ceremonies i get to talk so much about what we have in common the values that we have in common and and how so often it's just different ways of illustrating the same truths because all of these you know cultural and religious practices come out of different regions of the world and when you really understand those regions, suddenly those truths make more sense <laughs> because we, we don't exist in a vacuum. You know, we're so affected by our environment. We're still animals. We're affected by what is around us. So that's something I think a lot about in kind of creating all of 
what I'm creating, I realized like being a woman in all of this is even more complicated because like you said, (laughs) you're trying to compare and make sure like, no, I'm just as legitimate. When I first started, my, my father actually looked me in the eye and said, who gave you the authority? Really? Oh yeah. And I, this is at a family gathering. And I just, I remember I'm like, I'm, I'm ordained dad, but not only that, like I have a legal, like when I marry a couple, I have a legal responsibility to make sure not only is my ordination correct, but like, I'm the one that signs the license. I keep a, a record of the fact that I've married them for three years, because if they end up going to court and heaven forbid something like a divorce is happening, if I'm not on the up and up, like that marriage can be nullified. It's true. And so, and it's happened. So I take that very seriously, but then I started doing the work with my couples. And I mean, at over a thousand ceremonies at this point, I've held people as they sobbed because both their parents had passed years before and they felt so alone right before they go down the aisle and I'm having to hold hands and hold space for them. I've had people have panic attacks on me. I've had had that too. I've had full panic attacks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the thing I've learned the most is that what clergy really should be doing, the heart of what we do, it's first bearing witness to people's lives and then offering gentle guidance when they don't know what to do. Yeah. And only when they don't know what to do. And that's has been kind of my calling. Like that's I, I definitely view that as my thing. And being a woman in this industry has been so fascinating because uh, for the first five years of my business, I've been doing this for nine years now. I used to wear like a black suit, like a pantsuit with a white stole because I did not, I wanted to make it really clear who I was (laughs) like. Right. And you know, we all start traditional when we start business because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't know the rules yet. Yeah. I would still, people would assume that I was the wedding planner (laughs) or the photographer. And I'm literally holding a book with a stole in a black suit. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Like, (laughs) it just, yeah. I remember one time I did a wedding and I'm standing there talking with my groom and my bride is back in her room getting ready and I'm talking with the groom and the father of the bride walks up with a beer in his hand and he looks at the groom and he goes, ah, so when's the preacher getting here? And the groom <laughs> just like looks at me and looks at him and is like, she's right here. <laughs> and, and like the dad was so mortified and embarrassed, but it literally never even occurred to him. No, that I could be the minister. Oh, that breaks my heart. But I, I know that it's true because I've, mm-hmm. I've been at those, I've been to those. Like it's very, it's very um, acceptable to, to have a female wedding planner, but a female clergy. That's like for some that might be a bridge too far, for some families. I, I would oh, imagine. Very much so. So uh, back in the day, so for the first three or four years of my business, I actually had several officiants working under me, a whole team. And I had a, uh, a guy who was a DJ for, God, 15 years, and he got interested in officiating. So I trained him and I was booking him. And I had a couple reach out and they were amazed with all of my reviews, which, by the way, were my reviews, not my, my officiants. 
and they really wanted him. And I went, okay. And um, they mentioned, you know, so many times how I made the ceremony personal, all this. I was like, you know, I, ho- I hope you understand that, you know, my officiant, he has a different style than I do. And he's only done a couple weddings. So, you know, know that up front. And they literally wouldn't book me simply because the families could not accept the idea of a, of a female clergy person. Oof. So they were willing to take the guy who had, you know, two weddings. And even though they loved my reviews and my style, and it was just, it was, it was, I remember that was a very yeah. sobering and pivotal moment in my, in my business of like, oh, this is still a thing. It's <laughs> like, still a thing. It's still a thing. Of course it is. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it'll be 2021 when, when our listeners hear this episode and, and it's the fact that it's still a thing and we have, you know, we have finally a, a female vice president, not to get political, but you know, I go there, you know, <laughs> and, but like, how slow does the, does the tide turn? It, it's so, so, so slow. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's really interesting too, because when I first started, especially here in Southern California, where I'm based along with you, Renee, um, we, I think you know this, like the market is primarily men here. Oh Yeah. Which is hilarious because when you go into, I, I manage an efficient um, Facebook group. I'm part of several of them from around the world. 98% women. Interesting. So what we have here in Southern California is not the norm. Well, and here's the thing that I've found though. It's when it comes to clergy, it's still predominantly men. When it comes to celebrants and officiants, there's a lot of women, but because of all the kind of baggage that we talked about of like having to prove yourself, oh, it's just my little business, that kind of thing. Right. We do not market and sell ourselves the way our male counterparts do. We don't demand the same pay they do. One of the things I realized a couple of years ago was like I was vastly undercharging. And that's something that, again, 2020 also kind of taught me of like, one, I, once you're committed to me, like I am committed to you and how much that means to people. Cause I yeah. mean it, like, I really mean it. And I'm realizing the value of my services. And I want to say that very clearly, not my value because my value has nothing to do with my business. I am priceless because I am a human being. The value of my services, I'm realizing that value and like, I need to respect that. So yeah, that's been a big change in my business because yeah, those um, that was a a a a way of looking at things that I didn't realize. So yeah, it, it's it's something that I think we're getting that message across in business. I think, especially in the wedding industry, because it's predominantly female. Yeah, we're really getting that message out. But when it comes to the clergy circles, um, it is it's a very traditional group. Yeah. Yeah, I think your your group is the last discipline in the wedding industry, I think, to to sort of be shaken up, right? Because so much of the traditional things that we've seen with flowers and even even venues and like that's all been sort of turned on its ear in the last maybe 20 years. But for officiants, I still feel like there will always maybe there will always be a need for that uber traditional. Um, but then how do you feel about this? I mean, I can only tell in the last 10 years, this sort of I guess it's a trend of couples asking people that they know to marry them as opposed to a professional clergy. Oh, that's so that's I had some horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of part of the problem. Um, 
it's super hilarious that people think that they can just like do a couple Google searches and then do my job. And I'm like, okay, like we, (laughs) we wouldn't do that for literally anything else. It's hilarious to me because we have memes all over the internet about, you know, the horror stories of, you know, hiring a, uh, a friend who has a nice camera as your photographer and, but not when it comes to being your officiant and, you know, I often tell my couples, I'm like, look, this is a very strange relationship we're about to enter, but it's incredibly intimate. I'm going to ask you questions. No one ever asks you, except for like maybe on a really chemical induced late night, like around a fire together. <laughs> like I ask, you know, what does marriage mean to you? What was the moment? Like I ask all these deep questions because I know what to ask. I'm, I've trained people to do this. I know how to do this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm even developing a, um, premarital. There you go. Oh, premarital. Love it. Yes. My husband and I are, he's a therapist. We're creating a premarital course together to help couples understand like why premarital preparation is so important because those who actually go through premarital preparation, like it lowers the incidence of divorce within five years by like a lot. Yeah, no, that's really, I'm great. I'm so glad you're doing that because a lot of my couples ask me for that and there it's very limited resources. There's not a lot of people offering it that are not specifically tied to any one religion. And that seems to be the, the sticking point with my couples is that most of them are not, they, like you said earlier, they consider themselves spiritual, but not religious. And I'm like, well, you could go pre-Canaan, but that's Catholic. Right. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, well, and, and that's why I wanted to create this because again, everything out there, it's so targeted to, you know, maybe Christians or Catholics or Jewish people. And it's like, that's kind of it. And I I wanted to develop something that if you want to put your spirituality into it, you can, but it's not, that's not the focus. The focus is on understanding how long-term relationships play out and how they stay healthy. Right. Because all of us will fall into toxic patterns at some point, it's a matter of having the skills and understanding how to get out of it and get back into a, a healthy pattern together. And so this is like the kind of stuff where it just, it cracks me up because, you know, I had, I had someone call me once I did his niece's wedding and he called me up about two months later and just like wanted to get me on the phone to pick my brain because he was thinking of doing a ceremony for his other niece. And you did such a good job. So tell me what you do. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it doesn't work that way, really. Exactly. And officiating, it's a strange marriage between ministry and business. And you have to have a certain amount of a writer in you. You have to have a certain amount of a performer in you. You have to be truly lean into taking care of people because the minute you get there, And you see this, I'm sure you could tell horror stories about this. If it's friends or family, they are so focused on doing a good job. They're not focused on you. They're focused on them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I have like a story literally just popped into my head uninvited that I will share with you in a moment. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's, and that's the problem, right? Because they don't, Yeah. this is the, probably their first 
maybe second time doing this, they're not focused on you. Whereas I'm a pro, I have done this literally a thousand times. I know the rhythm, I know how this is gonna go. If things go wrong, like say you're allergic to bees and a bee decides to like love on you, I know how to handle it Why I've done that. <laughs> I know how to handle yeah. your little one who just decides they need to run up and be held mid-ceremony. Right. All those weird things that you don't predict, I know how to handle because I've done this so many times. And again, it's not just about the legality. It's about when you, when you hire a professional, you're ensuring that you don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> It's true. You know, and I also feel like couples tend to go into the I'm going to ask my friend to do it camp because they want to give someone in their life that special acknowledgement of like, I like I love you enough. I like you enough to say you're going to be the one to marry me. I'm thinking of one particular situation where you said there uh, when you said earlier, they're going to be so nervous, they won't be paying attention to you. This lovely couple, uh, their wedding was um, at Carondelet. I don't know why I said that it has nothing to do with the story, but I'm setting the scene for myself. It's like a very, um, for those of you not in LA, it's like a very, um, very beautiful, looks like kind of like an Italian villa sort of, um, but urban uh, venue. And it has all these nooks and crannies. So you could be in one room of the venue and not see the other rooms at all. It's very separated. And um, this was an officiant who was a friend. And I always ask when they tell me it's gonna be a friend, I'm like, well, what do they do? And she happened to be a stand-up comic and a performer in from New York. And she couldn't make it to the rehearsal. So I ran the rehearsal. P.S. I always run the rehearsal. Even if we're working with the pro officiant, I'm still like running the rehearsal, like putting people in their positions and telling them when to walk. Like that whole thing is still me. When it came for the officiant's time in the rehearsal, I just, you know, marked her place. Well, the morning of the wedding or the afternoon of the wedding, I couldn't find her in the venue. Like I said, this venue had so many nooks and crannies. She literally had put herself in a corner facing the wall muttering to herself under her breath because i think she was trying to like memorize the ceremony <sighs> right and then when it was time to go when i was like lining people up i realized that she had put herself in like a, a pretty giant hat where it's an indoor venue right so she but she was wearing like a pretty like a statement hat big hat and it occurred to me as i was like releasing them down the aisle that like i didn't know her particular like flavor of personality like stand-up comic from new york like that paints a pretty specific picture at least in my head but that didn't jive with the person standing in the corner muttering to herself i realized once she started the ceremony that she was treating it like a stand-up routine she was treating it as though they they weren't really there i mean like she didn't bring them into the ceremony she sort of did the ceremony at them does that make sense yes and that's that is honestly such a complaint I hear from wedding planners and photographers and videographers that I've worked with yeah. when they're like so relieved that they see that there's a professional officiant and they're like, let me tell you these stories about how like bad this other ceremony I went to was. Yeah. Um, well, and, and here's the thing. Ceremony has an art to it. It has its own rhythm and its own yes. timing. It's ritual. It's right. And I mean, right as an R-I-T-E, right? It, yeah. It's it has a, a specific way. This is such a specific kind of gathering. And if you are not familiar, if you have not studied and examined and created ceremony for people, you have no idea the beats you need to hit. You it's know, uh, both you and I come from musical theater. Yes. Um, 
they're there's in musicals you know act one act two act three like you there's certain things that need to happen yep in order for the next thing to happen and ceremonies are the same way and when you're talking about a marriage ceremony again we we know the highlights you know i talk to my couples all the time about there are pillars there are things that give your ceremony bone structure and when you work with me the first half of writing is wildly collaborative because we're figuring out those pillars together. What fits, what doesn't, what are we chucking? What are we keeping? Why are we keeping what we're keeping? But the second half of writing, it's all me. You know, it's like if you go to sushi and you order your favorite roll or the chef's special, you don't go in the back and then tell the chef how to do it. Like you just, <laughs> so no. it's hilarious because so many of my officiant colleagues will be like, you don't give your couples drafts of the ceremony. I'm like, no. They don't edit my work. Like they ordered us this sushi roll and I'm going to make it for them. Yeah. And that's how that works. So it's, it's, it's this very weird thing where in American society specifically, we don't value, well, before the pandemic anyway, we really sure. didn't value communal ceremony. And yeah. I think one of the things that I have gotten from so many of my couples this year, because I was doing elopements, elopements stopped in, March, they resumed in June. And then I was doing elopements basically until like a week ago. And I'm taking some time off just to, you know, recoup. But, um, all of them have said like how important that ceremony was, especially after everything that we've been through and survived and learned in the past year. And what I'm looking forward to when this is all finally over and we can have these big ceremonies again it is a unique magic to have a hundred 200 people gathered and absolutely present for that 15 to 30 minutes where they are focused and they are emotionally engaged and they're nodding and laughing with you and getting weepy with you because they understand how important this is to you and that's where i think the friend officiant, that kind of thing. You know, I know a lot of couples say that they choose a friend or family member because they want it personal. But the problem is that person doesn't know how to make that personal for you. They're right. reflecting their feelings for you as opposed to your feelings. My job is to learn how you feel about this and celebrate it and share it with people so that I'm not inserting myself into the story. The story I'm telling is your story. Does that make sense? hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I think especially as a wedding planner, it's always been a delicate balance for me because I, Renee, as a human person, uh, honestly, I care far more about the ceremony than I do the reception because the ceremony is why we are gathering, right? We are gathering to bear witness to this union. That's why we host a wedding. The rest of it is fun. That It's just fun. That's just dancing, drinking, eating, design, right? I'm here for all of it, but in my heart, like for my own wedding, we spent so much more time on the ceremony because I i mean, I just knew that, that that's the reason we're here. And I think post pandemic, I hope this isn't the case, but, you know, especially in 2019, I was feeling a lot of um, 
I had to remind my clients a lot to be like, focus on the ceremony. Did you write your vows? Have you looked at the ceremony, especially when there's a friend? Have they written it? Can I see it? I'm the wedding planner with that. When there's a friend, I insert myself into that process 100% because I don't trust that they're going to do all the things that are legal. And oftentimes my couples will involve me anyway and say, my friend wrote this. I don't know. Is it, is it good? Is it right? Because they don't know either. And see, and that just breaks my heart because one, I love that you love the ceremony so much. Uh, because I mean, really, it should be the crown jewel of your day. It shouldn't be something you suffer through to get to the open bar. It should be something <laughs> exactly. like we've all been to those ceremonies. Let's not lie. Oh, I mean, like, for sure. Jewish and Catholic. Yeah. like I know ceremonies yeah. in other languages where like it's 75 minutes in and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Like I get it, but it should be meaningful. It should stay with you. It should say all the things that you've wanted to say, and it should be better than you ever imagined. Like that's what it should be. And yeah. everything else, like you said, the reception, that's not the wedding. The wedding no. is the ceremony. Everything else is the party to celebrate what you just did, because what you just did was something worthy of celebration. And that's something my entire officiating career, I feel like I've really had to struggle to get that message out of making it really clear that, you know, this matters. Your story matters. And all we're doing, it's the most human of things that we can do, which is gather the people we love most and say, I'm doing a thing. And everyone like applauds and cheers. You did a thing. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. It, yeah. it's so, and I feel like after everything that 2020 has been, I feel like we all appreciate that so much more than we used to. And I'm super excited to see when we can finally do all of this again with big crowds and hugs and kisses and all that jazz. I'm excited to see how much people are willing to open up their hearts to what this experience can be. I agree. I'm excited to see how we change as a society because I think you can't live through something like this and not have it change you on a, a core level. I think it would be such a waste of so much pain and misery. Yeah. And one of the things that I think makes us so unique as humans is that we love to play with this kind of emotional and spiritual alchemy of we take things that are really awful and try to turn it into something that teaches us and that makes us better, something that's beautiful, redeeming, and, and I mean, you could say that of every trauma yeah. any of us have ever experienced, we try to make things better. And I think that's beautiful. We do. And I, and I wonder, as I'm sitting here thinking about all this with you, it's like we talked about ritual, we talked about femininity. And I wonder if there isn't something intrinsically tied to that ritual and the expression of the feminine in everything that, that we do in the, in what, as wedding pros, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if when you study spiritualities and religions throughout history, the divine feminine has always represented both nurturing, but also a sense of seasons. You know, we refer to mother nature. Mother nature takes her time. She does not rush on a thing and yet everything gets done. There's a sense of acceptance that I think is very different from our kind of divine masculine of that we kind of see like super archetyped in like capitalism, which is like that hustle, right. go after right. the action, like the hunter kind of feeling, the do and all that jazz. Whereas the divine feminine tends to be more like 
reminding you you're a human being, not a human doing. Like you are enough as is. You are a creature of this planet and therefore worthy. What you choose to add or not, like you should do because it both pleases you and those around you. It's good for you and those around you. There's a sense of ease and rest and seasonality, I think, in the divine feminine that we don't honor enough. And I, it's so funny because I see it so much in the wedding industry. And yet we try to kind of get things out of balance, right? Because you want that actionable energy as well. You want that right. that kind of feeling, right? Because we all have right. these forces in us, you know, be you uh, male, female, non-binary, you have these forces in you too. And I think that's what's so interesting about the wedding industry, because I think so often, because it's mostly women in business, there's a lot of sense of like trying to prove that our businesses are just as important, just as profitable, just as real as, you know, the business majors, <laughs> as the, yeah, yeah. you know, tech industry or whatever. And it's like, but the wedding industry, it literally celebrates people's lives and brings together tech and craft and property. And like, it's literally a part of life. Yeah. So it, it's just mm. so funny to me that we try so hard to prove ourselves, but it's like, who are we trying to prove ourselves to? Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, Marie, I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> and I, this could be a seven hour podcast talking about ritual and femininity. Um, <laughs> I'm working on that girl. I'm working on it. <laughs> Listen, I'm here for it. Anytime you want to do it. Um, tell the folks who are listening where they can find you out on the World Wide web. So uh, if you're interested in my wedding services, you can go to letsgetmarriedbymarie.com. My availability, my packages, all right there. Like I said, transparency is a big deal to me. So you see my availability, my pricing, it's all right there for you. Super easy. Um, and you can fill out the form to get in touch. Or if you just want to follow along, because I get to go to some beautiful places with some gorgeous people, you can go on Instagram to Let's Get Married by Marie or MarieBurnsHolzer.com, or pardon me, Marie Burns Holzer on Instagram. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-U-R-N-S-H-O-L-Z as in zebra, E-R. And we'll link to all this in the show notes. For people who are interested in the pre-marriage counseling, uh, will that just be rolled into your Let's Get Married by Marie brand? Eventually. Yes. Um, okay. And that will be coming out in probably uh, Q2 of 2021. Great. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that for sure. Because I know so many of the wedding pros who listen to the show are always looking for someone to offer premarital counseling. I know I've been for a while. So I think that's going to be a really great uh, move, both energetically and financially for you. So yeah, I'm very excited. It's just funny because I'm super careful about not calling it counseling because um, sure. counseling is actually part of therapy and that's why we can't say counseling. So I say premarital uh, course or premarital coaching because counseling coaching. is monitored by the state. <laughs> it's a big deal. Well, so. The state is very busy with COVID, so we don't <laughs> want them doing anything in our business anymore. Thanks, state. Right? You, you go, help, go help the virus. Bye. Lovely listeners, you know what I'm going to ask you to do because I ask you almost every week. Apple Podcasts, our benevolent overlord, uh, they like the reviews and they like reviews that are five stars and have some sentences underneath them. So if you listen to the show, if you've been listening for a while and you like what you're listening to, please go give us a little podcast review love. It allows our show to be seen 
by more people and more people who listen means the longer we get to do it. So head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And we will see you, of course, next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 